Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettikin. Let's start out by thanking our Patreon contributors. They contributed at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This week we had Michelle, Louise, Abby, Lauren, Jess, Zoe, Daniel, Aline, Mary, Ryan, Julia, Hannah Kay, Jennifer, Sharar, Duchess Patrick, Catherine, Jennifer, Jackie, Jen, and Segrin. Thank you. Thanks, all. guys. So we are coming at you with some more Real Housewives scandals, and these two are doozies. Today, we will be focusing on the life and crimes of Jen Shaw from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, as well as Erica Jane from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And an interesting thing I kind of was thinking while I was researching these two women is that both of these downfalls appear to be related how they flaunted their wealth on television weekly. It was sort of like, wait a minute, how do they have all this money? Like it's people were asking questions about both of these people. Um, and they're basically rubbing it in week to week. And I, then the people they defrauded are seeing this on TV and are like, uh, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I remember one of the first things I learned about Jen Shaw after Real Housewives of Salt Lake City aired was there were whispers, and I think it was like pretty much confirmed, that her house, the Shaw Chateau... Yeah, or Chalet. The Shaw Chalet, yeah. excuse me. The Shaw, the Shaw Chalet. <laughs> I only know because I wrote it so many times. How could I fucking forget? Was actually an Airbnb. Oh. That she rented for the show. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, that comes to a... That brings up a point about... This show is like everyone is trying to look as wealthy as possible. Uh, and oftentimes they aren't as wealthy as they appear on the show. And they're all kind of spending beyond their means to appear richer. Like, And in this documentary I watched, um, it's called The Hustler and the Housewife. It's on Hulu. I'll get more into that later about Erica Jane. The housewives who were interviewed on that documentary talk about that. Like they had to come, like one of them had bought like $20,000 sunglasses. Like it's like all about showing how rich you are. So it does become very uh, competitive. Now it's no wonder that a lot of people on these shows have gone bankrupt. They've been accused of not paying bills, um, back tax scandals, et cetera. Cause they're all basically uh, spending beyond their means. I think only a few of them are actually quite wealthy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not really a surprise that these problems happen on these shows, but it it is always very interesting to see them have these huge downfalls no matter what. Or they don't become very wealthy until after the show, and then you become like that bitch with the, with the skinny... The skinny bitch margaritas. Oh, Bethany. Bethany. Right. Yeah, she wasn't that rich, and she she did make money. They all can make money from being on the show. For, like, having a brand. Absolutely. Lisa Vanderpump seems like she actually is wealthy. I think she is one of the ones who is very wealthy. Yeah. I looked up, like, their net worths once. Oh, and really? And Kyle Richards is pretty rich, too. Yeah. Um, anyway, 
the thing with these two, two stories that's also interesting is that they're accused of scamming people who are actually regular people and often people who are um, in need of money. So that makes it extra fucking bad yeah. and horrible. First up, we're going to talk about Jen Shah. Uh, a lot of my research was um, by Victoria Bekempis. Bicamp- she writes for Vulture. She did a lot of articles on Jen for Vulture. I also looked at some Variety articles by Kate Arthur. Arthur. She covered the case for Variety, as well as Kevin Fallon on The Daily Beast. I also re-listened to our pal Kara Berry's emergency podcast on Jen Shaw. Her podcast is Everyone's Business But Mine. Uh, that was the day the story broke. I love when she does her like emergency podcast. Because you know it's going to be really good. Yes. So if you want to look for that, that dropped about March 30th, 2021 or so. So when Real Housewives of Salt Lake City debuted in 2020, it was an instant hit. I remember just the promos being super juicy and everyone could not wait to watch. Now that finally got you to watch, right? Yeah, because I hadn't watched a Housewives franchise in many years. Well, and this show, the show matched the hype of the uh, promos for sure. Yes. One of the standout housewives was Jen Shaw. She was famous for her insane nouveau rich outfits. She had, as I mentioned earlier, the chalet, which is a huge McMansion and I guess Airbnb. (laughs) And she had a lot of meltdowns. Like she famously cried and shouted a lot. Well, there's a very famous scene between her and Mary Cosby. I'm getting to that. Okay. <laughs> so that's what I was just going to say. I mostly remember her for the time Mary told her she smelled like a hospital, which is somehow the most insulting burn ever. Like it, that whole scene. It's the sickest burn I've ever heard. It wasn't it's wildly e- descriptive too, even though I don't really know what it means. <laughs> like It was worse. It wasn't you smell like a hospital. It was you smell like hospital. Like hospital. So she's out with Whitney Rose, Mary Cosby. Uh, Mary Cosby explained that she and Jen were good friends. However, because of that incident, they had a rift. Um, and as Rachel said, it's you. It smelled like hospital. I don't even know that she's. She claims she didn't really direct it at Jen. That she just said it smelled like hospital. Um, <laughs> While she was out with Jen and some other people, she said that she is very sensitive smell for hospitals and it takes uh, her to a very dark place. She could smell that smell anywhere. Now, um, Jen had, prior to the event where uh, Mary said that, Jen had been with her aunt, who is like a mother to her, all week at the hospital. So she had also just found out that aunt was going to have both of her legs amputated. So in her opinion, Mary knew what she was dealing with and still chose to make that remark about smelling like hospital. So she found it just to be a mean thing. Now, uh, at some point, Mary and Jen talk about this at Meredith Mark's birthday party. Um, they go all through it. And Mary shares that the reason she is sensitive to hospital smell is because she had went undergone 12 surgeries to remove her odor glands. Now I looked this up because I was like, what is, what is that? Now that is like when you get your odor glands removed and it had, it's related to some autoimmune disease that she had, I guess, apparently. And that's what she said. So she had all of those taken out of her. It's basically like the sweat glands in your armpits. What made this conversation at Meredith's party so incredible was that they both kept one-upping each other with their 
respective traumas yes. related to hospitals. Right. I was laughing too when Mary was like, they lost me. I was dying on the table two times. <laughs> like two times yeah. I was dying. Uh, yeah, it's just credible. Incredible. Now, of course, that's, this is brought up numerous times. It, there's a whole Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen where it's being discussed again. I mean, I love the thing about Housewives is these scandals fill up episodes of television. One fucking line will go off for like four episodes. Um, so obviously they disagree on this. That's probably That was probably one of the more memorable moments of the season. More about Shaw. She is a Utah uh, native, I believe, and she is Tongan, was raised Mormon. She converted to Islam sometime after meeting her husband, Sharif Shaw, Coach Shaw, who told her, she said in the first episode, I remember, told her about the church not allowing black people to be members until I think the late 70s, and that was a turnoff to her. And she converted. Now, he is um, a football coach for the University of Utah. They have two sons. And a lot of people from the get-go were kind of like, how much money does a football coach make? Not only that, uh, Jen apparently had her own career. Her, bi- her Bravo bio to this day, I looked at it today, states that she is the CEO of three marketing business. Well, therein lies the rub, <laughs> Rachel. Uh, Shaw... I think a lot of people were talking about what this business she runs in or these businesses. She had a crew of assistants who had traveled everywhere with her. They were called the Shaw Squad. Um, Andy Cohen asked Shaw a question from a viewer at the season one reunion. The question was, why do you need four assistants? He asked her to break down what each of, what each of them do for you outside of clapping for your fabulous outfits and driving you around. Shaw replied, I need a lot of help, you know. They all do different things. I run a lot of different companies and businesses, and a lot of them have different roles in the company. Then Cohen asked her to clarify what she did for work. She said, my... Uh, Background is in direct response marketing for about 20 years. So our company does advertising. We have platforms that help people acquire customers. So when you're shopping online or in internet and something pops, we have the algorithm behind why you're getting served that ad. In a, in a uh, November interview with Bustle, Shaw said that she founded and ran the company's JXA Fashion, Shaw Beauty, and the Real Shaw Lashes, and that marketing was the core business that she led. I'm actually a nerd at heart, she said. <laughs> she had an affinity for algorithms, spreadsheets, and all the other stuff everyone else finds boring. Jen explains that her companies handled direct response marketing, and though about 90% of the work is now online, she used to specialize in infomercials, direct mailing, and print. She said in this interview at Bustle, like the Wizard of Oz, the person behind the curtain that nobody sees, but nobody knows how things are working. (laughs) Jen Shaw says she's the person. Yeah, she's the person behind the curtain that nobody sees and nobody knows how things are working because she's pulling all the strings. That's not true because she's out and about flaunting herself all the time. Absolutely. But... Federal prosecutors were able to figure out what she was doing behind the curtain, Rachel. Oh. That's her problem. On March 30th, 2021, she is arrested and indicted for conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with telemarketing and conspiracy to commit money laundering. Now, Stuart Smith, who was one of uh, the Shaw squad, like the main guy, uh, he is also arrested. According to... um, the Manhattan U.S. attorney, Audrey Strauss, she released a press, I'm sorry, in her press release, she said, Jennifer Shaw, who portrays herself as a wealthy and successful business person on, in italic, like 
in air quotes, reality television, and Stuart Smith, who is portrayed as Shaw's first assistant, <laughs> allegedly generated and sold lead lists of innocent individuals for other members to then scheme and repeatedly scam. In reality, and as alleged, the so-called business opportunities pushed on the victims by Shaw and Smith and their co-conspirators were fraudulent schemes motivated by greed to steal victims' money. Now they will face time in prison for their alleged crime. Now, do you get what happened? I have a question. What? What were they selling? Okay. I'm going to get into what exactly they were doing. So the charges allege that since 2012, she and Smith had been running a telemarketing scheme that was defrauding people mostly over the age of 55 by selling them non-existent business opportunities. They would then take the list of the people they conned and sell those easy targets to other people who wanted to scam them. And they would get a percentage of the scams those people were running as well. So they were running a scamming ring. Yes. Now the victims believed they were buying services, including tax preparation, coaching, website design, things like that. But many of the victims were elderly and did not even own a computer. So I don't know how they were able to do this, but that just seems so fucked up. Yeah. Now, after they were indicted, a federal judge in Utah agreed to release the pair with certain restrictions, including that they weren't allowed to speak to each other, nor were they allowed to engage in telemarketing. <laughs> like, they had to be told that. Now, Shaw, who was 47 and Smith is 43, um, these are, like, big crimes. They can... They can both, they're both facing like one of the charges is a 30 year prison sentence maximum, and the other one is a maximum of 20 years. So that's a lot of time. Making this all the more dramatic, Shaw was reportedly filming season two of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City while this arrest went down. Now, this is a source um, confirmed to Variety. This was an anonymous tip given to the Instagram page to Judgy Girls that the cast of Housewives were filming and preparing for a trip to Colorado as part of the show when Shaw said there was an emergency with her husband and suddenly left. Federal law enforcement then arrived at the production looking for her, and they found her soon and placed her under arrest. Variety reported that the cameras were still rolling as this took place, although they're unsure if we'll ever um, get to see this or they stopped filming, uh, et cetera. So I'm going to get a little bit more into what happened here from Jen's point of view later on. On March 31st, she attended a virtual court appearance in front of the Manhattan federal court judge. That decision, I'm sorry, that descended into chaos. So there was a lot of technological issues with the Skype for business feed and things just got out of hand. Now, anyone could almost log into this thing and a lot of fans logged into this uh, that day before the proceeding had even started there were signs that the conference was going to be chaos uh, about 15 minutes after it kicked off a reporter heard something that sounded like a toilet flushing in the background <laughs> <laughs> to be honest I find these things to be the best part about quarantine and COVID like these crazy meetings where shit was just people were in their houses doing stuff um, not after that phone attendees uh, would neglect to mute themselves so you could tell they were fans. Like there would be people saying things like, do you watch Bravo? It's the best thing ever. And then someone said, so one of the housewives got like busted for fraud. <laughs> Um, then became, then came more major tech problems. So many people had logged on that Shaw's lawyer like, like couldn't get in. Then she couldn't get in. Then Shaw's lawyer was muted for a very long time and speaking and no one could hear him. It was just a shit show. So finally, um, the 
the, the judge was like, let's just reschedule this conference for a few days and figure out what the fuck we're doing here. So the, the conference was rescheduled for April 2nd, so a few days later. She pleads not guilty to both charges during this arraignment, um, and Smith also pleads not guilty. Stein agrees that Shaw should remain released pre-trial, but they set a $1 million personal recognizance bond backed by $250,000 in cash or property. Shaw's attorneys are like, what? Like, she's not a flight risk. Uh, <laughs> they're just trying to get this uh, reduced because it's she doesn't really have that much money, like I said before. That's a lot of money to come up with. Yeah. Um, but they eventually have to pay it uh, if she wants to be out. So the judge kind of is like, yeah, it would be hard for her to escape, but still, she's got to pay it. Now, prosecutors said that Shaw and Smith had amassed no less than $5 million in crime proceeds in the past few years. And they had access to this cash, which upped the risk of flight in their minds, which is accurate. They also said that Shaw had not demonstrated a willingness to disclose her assets with pretrial services. They don't trust these people. Um, So where are we today? Shaw is trying to get the charges dropped right now. She claims that the cops used deception and trickery so she would waive her Miranda rights, namely the right to remain silent. I know this is technically not funny, but there's something funny about these people not being able to remain silent because they're just like TV and they're gabbing all the time and telling us everything about their life. So it's like sort of just funny. Um, Now, Jen Shaw took to Instagram because of course she took to Instagram. Like, I don't know if it was after this hearing, right? The Zoom, it was like right after the news broke. And she just, I like, I remember Kara posted about it, but like, she just was so cavalier. She's like, Hey, like <laughs> she just was like, so cavalier considering like everyone, All just, of them are. everyone just found out that she like was defrauding old people. Like, and she's just on Instagram, like shout out to my fans and my haters or whatever. Like, no, Erica Jane too, like, it's like they're in a different world than the rest of us. There's like no shame. Like, even if I was accused wrongly of something, I would not be like, hey, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, this is very serious. Like, it's crazy. So I have to get into how she's trying to get the charges dropped because it is up there with your stories about Bobby Womack (laughs) pretending to be blind. Okay, so... She said that her vision was blurry and she was unable to read the paper in front of her when waving her rights because she was wearing dry contact lenses and she did not have her reading glasses. According to the court papers, Shaw was arrested on route to recording an episode of Real Housewives before cops stopped her. She allegedly got a phone call from an unidentified person who said that her husband, Sharif Shaw, had told the unknown caller that she should return home immediately. She allegedly tried calling her husband right away, but he didn't pick up. She started worrying her lawyers maintained. Then Shaw got a call from a 917 phone number. This caller identified himself as a New York Police Department detective named Christopher Bastos. Shaw thought this call was related to a case in New York where she had gotten a restraining order against someone who had stolen from her and then assaulted her in Salt Lake City. I have no, I didn't even have time to look into that accusation. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff going on with that phone call. So he didn't say why he was calling, but told Shaw to pull over. Minutes later, he drives up with other law enforcement agents and cuffs her and told her there was a warrant out for her arrest. So he basically used that phone call to find her, but she didn't realize she was getting arrested for something other than she thought it was like about this restraining order. Yeah. She keeps asking, am I under arrest? Am I going to jail? Bastos said, 
she said Bostos never answered these questions, but repeatedly made statements saying stuff like, we just want to talk to you, and I promise we just want to talk to you. He also told Shaw, we want to make sure you're okay, her lawyers contended. She was taken to a room and read her Miranda rights from a printed paper. They then handed her a copy of this paper to read them for herself. While she could hear him reading the warnings, according to her lawyer, her contact lenses, which were in her eyes were very dry and she did not have her reading glasses. So her vision was blurry and she was unable to read the paper in front of her. I don't really get why that matters. Cause don't you just have to hear them and agree to it? Like, is there a rule that you have to also be able to read them? I don't know because did she agree to them there? Yes. But she's claiming now she didn't see them because her contacts were dry. I've that's interesting. I've never heard of that before that. Yeah. That you have to read them also. Yeah, I can only see that if you have some kind of hearing thing where you can't hear and then you have to read them. Right. Do you know what I mean? So that's what she's going with. This is what she's going with, dry contacts. <laughs> I don't know why that's so stupid to me. Um, so at one point, she signs the wrong line because she couldn't see the paper. Uh, he rereads the line to ensure she knew it was happening because I guess maybe you have to sign each line in the on the paper. So she does sign this Miranda waiver despite claiming she was unable to read it. Uh she, he found Shaw's contact solution in her purse, uncuffed her, and let her fix her contacts. She was complaining it uh, at the station or wherever they were. Um, so her lawyers claim that although she did waive her Miranda rights, she did not do so voluntarily, but as a result of law enforcement deception and trickery calculated to overpower her will. I mean, I don't buy it. A hundred percent. Like, do you buy it? She look. She fucked over old people. She needs to face the consequences. In I mean, my opinion. Jen Shaw is a scammer by nature. So obviously, po- prosecutors deny her claims, um, and that's pretty much where we're at. We will keep you posted, and. I'm pretty sure she continued filming season two, uh, but she I read one article that she is in danger of being fired. Well, that's great for us if she continued filming season two. Because, yeah. Because <laughs> fans of the Real Housewives franchise want to see where this is going and they want to see the arrest filmed. Yes. And I mean... I mean, this show has had shit like this before, and these people don't get fired. They come back on. In fact, I'll get to more of that in this Erica Jane segment coming up. Yeah, you think Bravo gives a fuck? No, as long as they're still selling tickets or whatever, getting <laughs> ratings. Yeah. It's not, ha- not going to change. So we'll take a quick we'll break? We'll take a break, yeah. Okay. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. 
I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. So... Now we're on to Erica Jane. Uh, she is a housewife who did not get fired throughout her scandals. In fact, she's on this season, and it's getting it's we're we're getting a lot of fucking insight into what's going on in her life. I'll get to that more later. I have a question. Yeah. Okay. I was telling you before we started recording that I had I watched like the first two seasons of Beverly Hills when they that when they were on. Yeah. But I stopped watching altogether. Do people like Erica Jane? I mean, <laughs> I I think people like liked her. I have never been a huge fan of her. I think she's entertaining for the show. Yeah. But she's like a very cold person. Uh, and that's a criticism she gets from the other housewives as well. Right. So she's not like, she hasn't ever been one of my favorite housewives. But she definitely supplies drama on the show. So in, in that regard, she's good. Whenever someone asks me that type of question, I'm always like, well, what do you mean by do I like them? <laughs> do I like them for the show or would I be friends with them in real life? I think I asked you that about Darcy. I'm like, do you like like her? Or oh, I like, I like like Darcy. Yeah. See, I don't like Erica the way you like Darcy. Right. Like I would never want to hang out with her. Right. I mean, and obviously I would because I'd want to see what happens. Yeah. But not as a real friend or right. anything. Right. So... The main sources I used for this was the documentary I mentioned up top called The Hustler and the Housewife. That is an ABC News documentary that is up on Hulu. It's really good. I think even if you don't uh, know her or watch the show, it's still very interesting. I used her memoir, Pretty Mess, (laughs) and a really in-depth LA Times article by Matt Hamilton and Harriet Ryan. I also watched the latest episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where she goes into a lot of the details. Because I think the the episode just aired, but it was filmed in December, yeah. which is when a lot of this shit started hitting the fan. So let's get into her background because she has quite a rags to riches story. Erica was born in Georgia in 1971, and she was raised by a single mother. She always dreamed of making it big in the entertainment uh, industry. When she was 18 years old, she moved to New York City with her mom, and she started auditioning for small things. She, in her book, talks about um, auditioning to be a fly girl on In Living Color. She obviously didn't get it, but she said that she saw J-Lo audition. Uh, She also played the first ever dead person on Law and Order. <laughs> Wait a minute. She played the first... So she was in the first episode of Law and or Order? Or maybe she was like the dead body? I have no idea. That's what I'm saying. So she was in the first episode of Law and Order? That's what she said. Uh, 
<laughs> because they have a dead body in every episode. Where you right? see it? Yeah. I mean, I don't remember. But how, how long, when did that show start? 1990. Okay. So would that have been, yeah, she might have been around that time. Yeah. So maybe she did play the first dead body. I want to, we should look for pics. It's just weird. Like, why didn't she just say I was in the first episode of Law and Order? Well, I would probably want to say I was the dead body too. I mean, it's an interesting detail. (laughs) I would say I was a dead body, but I would also say I was in the first episode. I don't know. She put it that way. Uh, (laughs) It's just weird. She eventually gets a job in New Jersey dancing at a go-go club called Shaker's Bar. Now, this is a very famous, uh, well, very famous. It's a pretty well-known bar. Later in life, when she's with her husband, Tarm Girardi, the rich guy, they would fly their private jet into an airport that's directly across the street that she used to uh, go-go dance at, which is definitely like a movie moment, right? It's a Like now you're in your private jet. I used to dance there. Um, so this, this bar is right next to Satin Dolls, which is the set that was used for the Bada Bing in The Sopranos. Yeah. So that's the type of club we're talking about. Um, another housewife also got her start at Shakers, Danielle Staub, and we will get to her when we do our Real Housewives of New Jersey episode eventually. Um, this bar is located on Route 17 in Lodi, New Jersey. <laughs> So you know what I'm talking about. Here's how Erica describes her time at the at Shaker's Bar in Pretty Mess. There were no lap dances or glamorous champagne rooms or anything like that. This was just dancing in a micro bikini and talking to the guys, all blue-collar dudes after work, for their extra singles. I wish it had been something exciting like that, but none of that was happening in suburban New Jersey. This was way before my boob job, so I was small and natural. To Greta... Um, so this, they were trying to get around the law. Like it's hard to get a liquor license at a strip club. So a lot of these bars do like go-go clubs and bikini bars instead. And that's basically what this part, this was, she didn't like it. She, she wanted a more glamorous stripping job, I guess. And this, she found this place creepy, but I kind of like those type of places. (laughs) I mean, as long as the girls are being treated well, uh, it sounds fun. Now, uh, she describes her quick rise from shaker stripper to making all of her dreams come true and how achieving your desires doesn't always bring satisfaction, but only desire for more in an episode of Beverly Hills Housewives uh, in season 10. She said, once you get something, there's always more, and then you want more, and then you want more. Moving to New York, then experiencing uh, Shakers, getting married to Tom, turned into Erica Jane, Shoe Lines, and now Broadway. I mean, there are no limits. Well, apparently, uh, there are no limits when it comes to scamming people as well, Rachel. (laughs) So she eventually does move to LA. Uh, At some point, she has like a relationship with a man and has a young son, she gets a job working at Chasen's. Now, her last name is Chahoy. <laughs> I think that's how it said. Chahoy. Um, so Erica Chahoy meets Tom Girardi in the late 1990s working at Chasen's. Chasen's is a very famous Beverly Hills restaurant. He was the co-owner at the time. And she was waiting tables in the bar area. She's 28, year old, um, 28 years old at the time. He is 60 and he's a very <gasps> successful lawyer. He's 60? Yeah. So... When they met. When they met. There's a 32-year age difference. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, he's much older, like, for sure. So 
she describes her attraction to him. He was very well read and educated. And that kind of stuff is a powerful aphrodisiac. This is from Pretty Mess. When someone is positive, successful, loving, inspirational, I got to tell you right now, that is more enticing to me than a six pack abs and a chiseled jawline. Also, he's very, very, very rich. (laughs) She leaves that part out. (laughs) But that's also a lot of the appeal, I'm sure. Now, in her memoir, Pretty Mess, she reveals that she's actually the one that hit on him first and gave him her number. After a year of working in the restaurant, one night I decided to slip Tom my telephone number, she wrote. We were standing in front of the giant fireplace. Did you hear I was single, I asked. <laughs> now, she was unimpressed, however, when he had his secretary follow up. She refused to move, for- move forward unless he contacted her himself. I told her, tell Mr. Girardi if he wants to take me out on a date, he needs to call me himself and ask me and give me enough time to prepare. You know how men are, especially if they are successful. They expect you to drop everything right away. That's not how I work. I don't care who you are. Erica's very um, independent. That's her like character. It's like, I'll say what I think. Like, do you know what I mean? And they've sold the relationship on the show as her putting him in his place, even though he's the rich and powerful one. She soon moves on to his five-acre compound overlooking the Rose Bowl, quits Chasen's. On her last day, she throws her work uniform, which was a clingy velvet emerald green dress and black heels, into the bar trash can. There's something so 90s about an emerald green velvet dress. Totally. (laughs) It's funny because it's like she's throwing her work uniform into the trash can, but it's like her husband's restaurant. Yeah, (laughs) it's weird. Closing the lid, I walked out of that restaurant and into a whole new life. Six months later, Tom proposes to Erica with a diamond and promises to buy her whatever she wants. His only condition, he will never wear a wedding band. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, interesting. Now, the couple get married like, on the spot at the clubhouse of the Los Angeles Country Club in 2000. Girardi asked a judge uh, to officiate at the end of a round of golf. So this all happens very fast. The wedding was so spontaneous that he enlisted another attorney he knew at the bar as a witness. Although he was in the midst of a dispute dividing his assets from his second wife, he opted not to sign a prenuptial agreement before they got married. Now, why is this guy so rich, you might be wondering? Just three years to his wedding to Erica, he settles the groundbreaking case known as the Aaron Brockovich case for $333 million, which was a record at the time for a direct action lawsuit. Now, this was the case that was against Pacific Gas and Electric for contaminating the drinking water of the Southern California town of Hinkley with hexvalent chromium. This solidified his reputation of fighting for the rights of the little guy. According to Girardi, all of a sudden I was part of a very public win that a lot of people understood. The case did mean did me an awful lot of good and put me into a category of, hey, you know this guy can handle these big cases. Now, he is played by Peter Coyote in the movie. He's not like the main guy, but he is the main guy in the real case. Um, So yeah, that's how he got famous, basically, this big lawsuit. Victims then would uh, seek him out. His law firm was called 
um, called Girardi Keese. That was the name. Uh, other lawyers would refer big cases to him, believing that he had this ability to take on deep-pocketed corporations. His firm's um, bedrock was contingency cases. So those are cases which the client doesn't put up any money. The lawyers front all the cost of investigating and, and putting on the trial. If they win, they then collect their costs back and 25 to 40% of the award. If they lose, they get nothing. So Tom, his mantra at the time was, I think the whole world should be on a contingency basis. If you don't cure the problem, you shouldn't be paid. Now, for a long time, this seemed to work very well. He racked up scores of verdicts, getting clients millions and millions of dollars. Uh, He eventually expanded his firm to this huge building on Wilshire Boulevard. By 2001, his monthly income was about $263,000 a month. Jesus. Yeah. Now, a lot of these um, numbers come from like divorce filings and things he had to submit for that because he had been married before Erica two times. Um, Unlike a lot of other firms, he retained 100% of the corporation. Like there were no partners. It was just him. So... It was his firm and his firm only. Like he made all of the decisions. Despite that, it was still like a highly sought after um, job for lawyers, even though they knew they would never make a partnership. There was a lot of perks that he he afforded them. He gave them luxury cars. He brought in tailors to make them custom suits. Uh, he had box seats at Staples Center. So these lawyers had like huge budgets to wine and dine their clients. Um, he also was in this orbit in LA law, LA law, like he knew Johnny Cochran, like he knew all the big names. So if you worked there, you were going to meet all these people. He also belonged to like every country club and was at Morton's and Pacific dining car. Like he was just everywhere. Now he also would have these huge holiday, um, parties with like big name people like Jay Leno, Burt Bacharach, Leanne Rimes, Penn and Taylor, all like performing at these, uh, big parties. Um, not only that, he's Jay poli- Leno performed there. <laughs> Jay Leno. <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm talking big names, Rachel. <laughs> he came in denim suits. <laughs> uh, he also was a huge political um, contributions. Like he gave like $7.5 million in political donations to various candidates, including Gavin Newsom, who was like uh, friends with him. And Erica was his favorite housewife. Uh, by the way, <laughs> he, he said with a smile from this New York, this LA Times article, Gavin Newsom, what a, what a sleazeball. Uh, <laughs> now, despite marrying into wealth, Erica Chahoy still wanted to be a star and Tom was ready to pay for her dream. At the age of 35, she sets out to become a pop star and Erica Jane was born. This is all pre-real Beverly Hills Housewives, okay? Wow. So... She said, I had everything that you want, every material object, everything, but inside my core, I was still not satisfied. Uh, I felt like I just was not being myself. I felt like I was hiding. I was hiding from me. I was hiding from sparkle and magic and fun and fearlessness and music and dance and creative magic. I just knew I had feelings. I knew I had thoughts. I knew I had things I wanted to say. Listen, I'm rebellious, okay? I always have been. And Erica Jane is a little bit of a rebel too. Erica Jane debuted with a 2010 single called Pretty Mess, which is also what her soon-to-be bio would be, or her memoir would be. And that includes lyrics like, everything I am, I bought, and treat me as your concubine, everything you have is mine. (laughs) Now, her music, have you heard any of her songs? I have not. They're all like... Look, 
<laughs> I know I, I can I can make a guess of exactly what this sounds like because every rich reality star releases essentially the same single. Right. It These sound, are yeah. I'm just saying it sounds the same. It's all dance music. Okay. Yes. Now, in 2011, he debuted her second music video, Party People, Ignite the World, during Supreme Court night for the Italian American Lawyers Association, which he was president of. (laughs) The crowd was, needless to say, shocked. Now, this is normally a thing where you're seeing California Italian justices come up. There's usually an orchestra performance. And this is held at the Biltmore Hotel Ballroom, which is in downtown LA. It's a very old hotel that's gorgeous. I would give anything to be there and to see the looks <laughs> on the faces of these people. Well, I have some reporting for you from the Metropolitan News Enterprise, which is a legal newspaper in L.A. Uh, so this is in 2011. Um, Tom Girardi, who was the president that year, announced a special treat for the audience, a screening of his wife's latest music video. This is a hostage situation. <laughs> the next four and a half minutes... The justices watched with the rest of the crowd as a scantily clad Jane gyrated on the screen. The Metropolitan News Enterprise termed the event a fiasco. It said, set at a smoke-filled party, the video, if I'm correctly advised, includes a woman partier pouring liquor on a man's bare chest and lapping it up. Stop it. The judges were absolutely beside themselves. (laughs) (laughs) One newspaper editor wrote... I'm sorry. That must have been incredible. <laughs> They're also Italian. Mamma mia. Oh my yes. God. Can you imagine these like, because her videos, I've seen a few of them. It is just all sex and like partying. <laughs> and she's really sexy and done up in it. I mean, it is crazy. Oh, so my, that is, <laughs> look, the level of confidence. Just, I, that's a man who loves his wife. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, my so my wife did a thing. Yeah, my wife did a thing. Now, in her memoir, this is like a dream come true for her. She was like worried about being relegated to a life of shopping, sitting on charity boards, and standing silently by her husband's side. And now she gets to do this. And her husband, according to Erica, is a billion percent supportive. That's what she wrote in her memoir. No offense. To her, but isn't is she isn't she like forty at this point? Well, she's in her thirties, late thirties. So she's like maybe thirty six now. So there's still time for me to have a pop yeah, single. She does. She, to her credit, she's like, I know I'm a bit old for this to be a pop star. But you know what? Her husband got her the best. He got her Michael Jackson's choreographer, a songwriter who worked with Madonna, Stevie Nicks, and Britney Spears, and a costume designer for Lady Gaga and RuPaul. I. I can I make a request? Yeah. Can we stop this show right now so I can watch this? And Of course. Okay. 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 We just watched the music video and my first thought was, she's really hot, Erica Jane, in this video. She's very, very sexy in this. So I can only imagine that Girardi is like, that's my wife. Yeah. He's happy to show these guys. My second thought was that this is in terms of, and I've heard a lot of reality stars pop singles. This is, I think, one of the best ones. Her w- songs are enjoyable. I'm actually, this song actually sounds like a real song from 2011. 
Well, she had nine hits on Billboard Dance Chart from this period before she was a real housewife. I mean, I don't know what hits constitute. Is that in the top 200? Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Oh, so she actually... Okay. So that makes sense because I know she spent like a ton of money with the best producers, but th- this actually sounds like a real song. Yes. Well, she also toured in Asia and she had she develops a cult following in the LGBT community at this point. So that's like a majority of her shows uh, in America. She'll play these clubs. It's not a bad song. No. It's, I mean, like, it says it's very on par with any other song of that era. Right. A dance track. A dance track. track yeah. I agree. It's, it's, it's not like money can't buy you class. No, 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 or no. Or what no. was the one that um, Heidi Montag? Remember oh, her songs? Oh shit! I've I've completely wiped that. But from you my remember memory. her career? Her Wait, what was career? The, or even like body language? <laughs> even like the one from Atlanta because they had Candy Barras yeah. wrote those for Kim Zolciak or whatever. Yeah. So they were pretty good. Like because it's like she's a professional songwriter. She wrote No Scrubs. Like uh, yeah. obviously it's not going to be horrible, right? But yeah, no money can't buy me class. Uh, but Countess Luas, Luann's songs all blow. Like, I don't like any of them. Like, I'll sing them because it's, like, funny that they're her songs. Yeah. But they're not good songs. Right. They're not listenable songs. Like, this song, independent of her being a housewife, it sounds like a song you would hear at a club. If it came on, I wouldn't be mad. No. I wouldn't be like, turn this shit off. It would sound like any of the others. Like, it's fine. Right. Now... Her husband goes to all of her shows and he will even pick up her checks at the end of the night by the ma- from the manager of the clubs. Oh so he's like a very doting, supportive husband. And watching the show, that's, that's how he comes off. Like He's like much older, but they seem to have a genuine relationship. And he obviously uh, adores her. Some of her husband's lawyer and judge friends, however, are constantly rolling their eyes at this relationship, obviously. And she'll later tell Real Housewives in like one of those confessionals, boy, they hated my ass, like all of his <laughs> friends. So by 2015, she's actually preparing to close down her music venture. In her memoir, she says the return on investment wasn't really making sense anymore. I mean, even though she had some success, she was putting way more money in and not getting much money back. Like, obviously, looking at these productions, her husband's spending millions of dollars. And in the show, she'll spend, like, $40,000 a month on her glam squad. Like, every episode, she has different outfits, full hair and makeup at all times. And I think I read something where someone showed up, she showed up to, like, a podcast, and they told her it would be off camera. And she still showed up. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, that level of always looking camera ready god imagine how hot we could be if we had forty thousand dollars a month for a glam i wouldn't even know what to spend it on (laughs) do you know what i mean like i know i would that seems like so much money i would have so much fun trying to figure it out though well i think i guess i'd probably pay people really well so maybe that's where a lot of it would go yeah um yeah so before she can announce this retirement from the music industry she gets cast on real housewives of beverly hills so that kind of ups her singing career, obviously, a lot. Now, her persona on the show is is that of this famous older attorney and this sex pot pop star dance hall girl. Like that's sort of the the sort of role they play on the show. She is a cash obsessed pinup. She throws herself back into music and pushes and launches even more videos. Um, she has a new song. It's expensive to be me. Uh, that's sort of the um, 
the tagline of it. And in that video, she writhes around on bed covered with money. The song, <laughs> the song is actually named XX Pen Dollar Sign IVE. Oh. So that's how it's written. Uh, her husband likes that joke. He's on the Real Housewives episode. He said it kind of suits you. So he's like very mild mannered on this show. And he pops in every once in a while. He's not like a major player. Now, ironically, it is also in 2015 when his legal career begins to un, begin, begins to unravel. The first lawsuit involves a $17 million settlement for 138 senior citizen women who claimed they had developed cancer after taking a hormone replacement therapy drug. This payout, um, the women were supposed to receive from Girardi's firm, they eventually get it, but it doesn't match the $17 million settlement that they were awarded. They request an accounting, and his firm refuses mm. to give them an accounting of this. Because obviously, as I mentioned earlier, they take out their expenditures and all they spend on the case, etc. Two dozen of these women file a suit against Girardi and the firm. They insist that they've done nothing wrong, but they keep ignoring requests for bank records, emails, and other documents that they would need. So they're getting... a smaller portion than what they should have gotten. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Basically, they want to see, like, well, what did you spend? Right. Like, let's just see the numbers kind of thing. They become more and more frustrated. Their lawyers alleged in filings that the firm had misappropriated more than $10 million. They want these documents that they think will reveal fraudulent and criminal wrongdoing. The case case eventually moves towards trial and he borrows $12 million at a high interest rate from Northern California company that specializes in funding law firms and an additional $5 million from another lender in Arizona. Uh, Within months, he reaches a settlement with these women. Now, this is the beginning of Tom beginning to to borrow money uh, at these very high interest uh, loan rates. Now, if you're watching the show at the time, none of these money issues are ever uh, presented. Uh, His first episode, they give a tour of their garden at this home in Pasadena, which is like a huge mansion on like a big, like garden, like they actually give a garden tour. That's how big their property is. They had a very uh, expensive um, Olmstead brothers design this garden. They're like this sort of socialite, like gardener or landscaping people. Um, So she's off frolicking in Italy and Bahamas the first season she's on. And he's now working behind the scenes to keep his law firm afloat. Although um, few people at Girardi Keys or even the larger legal community knew it, he was going back to these high interest lenders again and again for help. He was so secretive that the companies giving him money didn't even know other lenders were holding the same collateral for the loans they were giving him. So the collateral he was giving them was loans was the anticipated fees of a number of large contingency lawsuits that he was going to get money from. So they're giving him loans based on income he might be getting in the future. But because he's Tom Girardi, they're all believing it. But he's also giving them all the same collateral, (laughs) which you can't do when you're getting loans, obviously. Now, I mean, you can see how this is a problem because he's paying people back with money he doesn't have that he's going to... Like, it's just a mess. It's kind of like a Ponzi scheme, uh, basically. Um, he 
presents himself to them as a safe bet. He tallies his net worth at this time uh, as $264 million, including ownership in two planes, $9 million in jewelry, $3 million in antiques, and his house, which is um, valued at $15.5 million. I have a question. Yeah. So he started taking out loans because he was low on cash. Yeah. Why? Like what, what was it overspending? Well, we'll get into that. Okay. And that's what a lot of people speculate. He's spending to, to keep this Erica Jane lifestyle because $40,000 a month on your glam squad. Well, yeah. And that's not including all the money she spends on clothes and jewelry and pocket. Like her closet is like the size of your apartment. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, and, and this is the other thing. These people are waiting for their settlements and then they're watching Real Housewives and seeing her fucking closet. And they're like, uh, <laughs> is that my $18 million? <laughs> like, right, where's right. my money? Um, so her star is on the rise. She's on the Real Housewives. She's on Dancing with the Stars. She writes the memoir I mentioned, Pretty Mess. She is on The View, like as a co-host for one thing. Uh, I mean, for like a guest spot. Um, his his creditors start growing more and more concerned. Lenders um, are expecting this money to be paid back for these million-dollar cases, and it's not coming. So one lender group called Law Finance Group in Northern California, they're like, uh, we want our money back right now. That's always kind of where they get in trouble. Someone calls in their credit. A creditor calls in the debt, right? I always just wonder, like, why don't you just, like, sell, like, two of your cars? I I don't, I don't know how these people get into this problem, but I think they always think they're going to be able to get out of it with one big payday. And if they can keep it afloat like a few months more. Yeah. So after nine months of demanding repayment, this loan company in Northern California files a suit in 2019, alleging that the money they loaned to the firm had been spent on his lavish lifestyle. Now this enrages Tom Girardi because he... He also has this reputation that he loves. He loves being the lawyer who fights for the little guy. He doesn't want to be known as this. Do you know what I mean? Right. So he he says that their claim that he used one penny of of the funds for my lifestyle is total fraud. Like he is outraged by this accusation. One of the uh, people he owes money to, and this is focused on in the documentary. It's a really awful fucking story. Um, Joseph Rugomez, he suffered burns over 50% of his body during the 2010 PG&E pipeline explosion in San Bruno. Do you remember that? Yeah. That was a really huge pipe, like houses were like on fire. And he tells the story in this documentary. It's awful. He was only 19 when this happened. His girlfriend, who he was with, actually, when the fire broke out, died. <gasps> like they found her in the garage like days later. Oh. It was a real... It was a really awful, uh, scary situation. So he gets them a settlement, and they trust him implicitly, uh, but they're not getting their money. And he, this guy is like, this is not like payday. He needs surgeries, and he is going to have lifelong medical issues because of what happened to him that day. So he needs the fucking money to survive. Um, so they keep calling him. In the documentary, they have uh, every voicemail he left them, and they play them in the documentary. And it's just chilling to hear him in his like gentle voice being like, oh, guys, I got you. I would never... Da-da-da. You know what I mean? They believe him, and it's really sad to hear them realize that this guy fucking took all their money. So 
stealing client money is next level. Like this is not, not paying back your fucking loans, your high interest loans. This is stealing money from your clients. This is a very serious allegation for attorneys. Lawyers can be disbarred and obviously charged criminally for this conduct. Uh, Girardi eventually signs an agreement to pay this family $12 million, but after paying $1 million, he stops paying them Uh. any money and they continue calling him. They eventually, uh, have enough, with his bullshit, they haul in him into court and make it clear that they would go to great lengths to get the money that he owes them. They inform state and local governments that they had a claim on his assets and put a lien of, uh, t- on a $23 million settlement he had won to get back their money, like a new settlement he wins. They serve legal papers on him, like everyone in his life, his accountant, his travel agency, Erica Jane, uh, even the membership director at the Jonathan Club, where they said that he paid an initiation fee of $45,000. So this is like a private club in downtown LA. Unreal. Now, the people he has working for him at this Wilshire, Wilshire Boulevard office, they've worked there for decades. They're starting to like ask themselves questions and like what's going on here. Lawyers start leaving and uh, his son-in-law resigns uh, soon after in June of 2020. So this lawyer, I'm sorry, this firm that once had 30 lawyers is now down to like single digits. Everyone's jumping ship. Now, the situation only worsens uh, in the summer of 2020. A Chicago firm that had helped represent four Indonesian families who had loved ones killed in a 2018 plane crash keep calling him about missing settlement money. Boeing had transferred about $2 million for each plaintiff, but the families had not received all of their money. When they finally reached Girardi in July of 2020, he offers an extremely convoluted and meandering explanation of what happened to the funds according to the attorneys um, for the plaintiffs. Uh, Another lawyer later tells them that half of the money had been paid and more was on the way and that there was a wire confirmation coming soon, but the funds never arrive. And they later admit Girardi hadn't actually paid the clients and he was skeptical that Girardi had the financial means to do so. So he took all the money from this plane crash and this will come back later with Erica Jane um, eventually too. Now, uh, in late September of 2020, the Joseph Rugomez, who was the, the burn victim in that fire, his attorneys finally have a chance to confront Girardi about his assets in a p- proceeding known as a judgment debtor exam. And Tom testifies on video conference because obviously the pandemic is still happening. And we get some information about his financial situation at the time in this video conference. He says his stock portfolio of about $50 million was all gone and that he maybe had a couple of thousand dollars left in his personal bank account, which used to have $80 million. What? So he's basically saying he has no fucking money at this point. Where did it go? Asked about his income, he says, I haven't had a penny of salary out of the firm for more than two years. Now, on the date set for Jane's, Erica Jane's testimony, she's out of town and reschedules for January of uh, 2021. On election day in November of 2020, she, that day she files for divorce. It's announced that day. So she picked like a pretty busy day for everybody to make that announcement. I mean, talk about dropping the bomb in the middle of that. She says uh, they have irreconcilable differences. At this point, we don't really know any of this information, by the way. So when she drops this news, it's like, oh, she says she's going to seek spousal support. And I think a lot of people take it as like, "Eh, yeah, 
that 30 year age difference is going to um, blow up in their faces. She's always uh, out of town. They ha- probably never see each other, whatever. It didn't seem super sus- suspicious yet. She does release a statement. This is not a step taken lightly or easily. I have great love and respect for Tom and our years and the lives we built together. It is my absolute wish to proceed through this process with respect and with the privacy that both Tom and I deserve. I request others give us that privacy as well. Now, a source told Us Magazine in November 2020 that it was not uncommon for the now estranged couple to go several months without seeing each other. They always traveled separately. And uh, Erica though had started gaining independence and confidence from being on The Real Housewives. So I feel like she started having her own thing, basically, and her own money. And maybe she felt like she didn't need uh, Tom as much anymore. Now, he continues putting on a confident pa- face to the people demanding money. He touts his firm's representation of 8,000 plaintiffs in a new litigation that he's working on, uh, Porter Ranch Gas Link, Gas Leak. Uh, So he's telling another creditor that he's going to have a $900 million settlement coming soon. Uh, He leaves voicemails making promises to the Indonesian clients that he had defrauded. He says things like, we screwed up a little bit here, (laughs) things like that. But these people were like devastated, like it's pretty fucked up. Uh, So he's basically where we're at now is now he's kind of in a conservatorship. Almost people are claiming that he has some kind of uh, dementia, uh, or now he is in his late seventies, no thirty-two. So she's fifty. So he's eighty-two. Oh wow! So I mean, it's it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that he is suffering some kind of mental decline. Uh, that's what they're claiming anyway. He has been uh, hospitalized, receiving treatment for stuff like that. I mean, we've both watched The Sopranos, <laughs> Uncle Junior, <laughs> a similar thing. So it's like, it's hard for me not to think of that. Like, is he faking it? I don't know. Like, it certainly is a convenient, but it's also a possibility that he, all of this is related to some kind of um, mental decline. Now, his brother, uh, Robert, is um, his conservator or whatever. He's like the Jamie Spears, I guess, in this situation. Although it's interesting, though, because this seems like it could be a case where maybe that is something that needs to happen if he's stealing money or someone's uh, if like what if Erica Jane is taking all the money for her shit? We don't know. Um, Now, Erica is really trying to separate herself from this story, obviously. Um, The episodes of Real Housewives uh, that is airing now, as I mentioned, I think I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, they, they're filmed in December. So this is like in December is when that big in Indonesian um, lawsuit fraud started popping out. Like that was after the divorce and everyone's like, oh, is that why she's getting divorced? Like people thought the divorce was sort of a fraud. Like she was just doing it to take some assets and hide these assets because there was $25 million that was missing and it paid to Erica Jane's um, music company. Was, it was given to Erica Jane's music company. She still has a music company? Well, this was back a few months ago. Okay. Whatever she had, like her pop music company. Now, this is one of the most interesting um, seasons, I find, because there is some real fucking shit going on behind the scenes here. And um, Erica is having... Someone who has, I mentioned to you earlier, been kind of a cold presence, has been needing the support of these other women. So she's had, she's having to reveal 
her fears and whatever she's going through. And she's even crying. Um, so <laughs> the promos for the show is that she's going to tell her story. She's not going to hold back in the past Erica protected Tom at all all costs, but this time around, it's going to be different. This is an insider um, on the show who told Us Magazine that about the new uh, season. Um, According to court documents, um, in January, Erica not only moved out of this $15 million mansion, she got a new home estimated to be worth $2.5 million. Uh, So she's in a new house now, which I guess is a downgrade. It's like oh, a two and a half million on. dollar uh, court. Tom is kind of fighting his conservatorship as well. Um, she briefly di- addressed her divorce for the first time on the June 16th episode of Real Housewives. She said, there's so many layers to this divorce. It's so fucking complicated. It's very difficult to explain. On the July 14th episode, she spoke about the class action lawsuit for the first time. She said, what's being said is just mean. It's insane. That lawsuit that says my divorce is a sham so I could hide assets. People want to believe that. I could have never predicted this fucking shit. She went on even more details telling the cast, I let go of my Lamborghini. I let go of my 16,000 square foot home. I let go of my marriage. I let go of everything. I literally made a decision that I had to. She also told the cameras that she left because he pushed her further and further out and the marriage was on a shitty path. Um, she also told the women that uh, <laughs> she drove how she divorced him. She drove him to work. I told him I loved him, and I said thanks. He said thanks, hon. Like I was an employee. She said she went straight home, put everything into a moving moving van, and drove off. Went to her new house, and he was served with divorce papers the next morning. And that's the last time she has supposedly seen him in person. Um, now, also on this July 14th episode of Real Housewives, that's sort of the famous one where she is crying a lot. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. Everyone was kind of talking about it. This is this July? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's few, airing right now this season. A few days ago. So a few days ago, she revealed a lot of stuff about this lawsuit. Um, she's like on these conference calls with Kyle Richards and Lisa Renna. Now, <laughs> I think right now Kyle Dorit and Kathy Hilton are are have covid? No way. Yes. All of them? All three of them have covid. So I think they stopped filming or maybe they were finished filming. I'm not sure how it works. Yeah, they all have covid. So this episode is a lot of them being supportive of Erica Jane um in these confessionals. Uh they all have their own little It's like they're kind of being supportive but also hedging their bets in case she is guilty. They don't want to <laughs> They don't want to be caught in that shit show. Uh, so, but one person who was not very supportive is ex um, Beverly Hills housewife Camille Grammer Meyer. Now, <laughs> did you watch when Camille was on? Yes, because yes, those yes. were like the first two seasons. So she tweeted after the crying episode of Erica. Now, I'm, I want to reiterate: this is someone who never cried or showed emotion. So it was very strange to see her all of a sudden crying. Uh, She wrote, we filmed in the Bahamas season nine and we were all swimming in the water. I don't remember seeing EJ's mascara run after swimming underwater. Just saying. Uh, So her point is that because Erica had mascara running. So I guess she's accusing Erica of wearing non-water resistant mascara to make sure she had (laughs) mascara streaming down her face. Lisa Renna um, responded to Camille Grammer's um, 
uh, tweet. She said, oh, someone needs some attention. Okay, sweetie. Hashtag, you're still an asshole on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) You're still an asshole? Hashtag. I like You know that hashtag? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, she's crying chatting to Kyle Richards about how difficult it is to be involved in this legal, uh, you know, cause she also got chart. She's been sued now for 25 million. And this is specifically related to that Indonesian, um, the lion air flight 610 that crashed. So that's a particularly devastating case to be accused of stealing from victims. Like they all had family members who died in a plane crash. So you don't want to be accused of stealing from those victims in particular, I'm guessing because it's fucked up. Like, I mean, no victims, but it's just pretty like, damn, you're fucking cold hearted. (laughs) Like, yeah. uh, So she's basically crying. Like people believe these allegations. She doesn't want people thinking she's terrible. Uh, No shit. Now, I just want to end this because it's still up in the air. We'll, we'll definitely follow the story and Erica Jane and what happens to her. Um, She definitely wants us to feel bad for her. I'm not there yet. I feel bad for the victims. Yeah. I don't really care. She'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anything bad's going to happen to her. Um, I do like this. um, I'm going to end on this. What is that thing called? The New York post? What is their gossip site called? Take page five. Page six. Page six. Page five. It fucking completely slipped my mind. Do you know how that happens? I was like, what's it fucking called? You're like, what's it called? Take 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 five. five. (laughs) That's what you said. I know. It's like, it's complete. I'm so tired right now. I'm so sorry. I had to get through all this fucking complicated legal stuff. I feel like I should get a medal. It was hard. So, um, so this page six article that was talking about the tweet thing, obviously that was not a legit newspaper article. They ended the article with this sentence, which I just thought was so bitchy. It said, meanwhile, Grammer stormed off the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season nine reunion in 2019 after she felt the woman ganged up on her from her mean tweets. <laughs> I was like, okay, thanks for bringing that up. It's Wait, like Camille Grammer was on for that long. No. Camille Grammer comes back a lot. Okay. But she, I don't think she's been a real cast member since she was on. The early days. Yeah, but she, like a few years ago, she was like on a lot, but she was not an official member. It was like, she was like a friend of the cast members still. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, she's annoying. (laughs) Yeah, she... (laughs) She's she's just so awful. She was so... I just remember her being irritating. I hated her. I think the only person that I liked just that I remember liking from the first two seasons was Lisa. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty common belief. I was like, Lisa's the least insane. Yeah. I mean, the first few seasons, gosh, I'm trying to remember. Oh man. I mean, it was like Taylor. Yeah. (laughs) Adrian. Yeah. Who was married to the plastic surgeon. Oh my God. Yeah. It's funny to think back. It's like, I can't, I mean, it's so different now because it's like Lisa Renna and like, yeah. And she's uh, crazy. Because the first two seasons was the psychic dinner. I mean, that's an all time. That's like my favorite. I was, we should do like a special episode where we break that down that minute by minute. episode was like some of the most incredible reality TV I've ever seen. Well, I actually watched that show Medium 
that that woman who was based <laughs> on her life with yeah. it was with Patricia Arquette. Yes, that wait, was such that a was good based show. on her. That's based on her. So wait, she really is a famous psychic. Yes, <laughs> yes, she is medium. She was so a when bitch. I was watching that, I was like, that's. Her. I, it made me like hate that. I was like, that's because she, she's so cool on the show yeah. or like a chill woman. I was like, she's a psycho. Why did she ruin her life going on this show? Because I hate her now and she, absolutely. F- what a freak like and it has nothing to do with her psychic ability that woman was a fucking bitch that dinner was the greatest i can't think of anything i've enjoyed more no. i can't either it's like up there with the fucking kim richards and the bread yeah like it, it is. is and it's because it's it's better because it's longer also faye resnick is there like yeah. it's just crazy it's an insane i need to watch it after we we have to watch it and yeah. just her like having that drink and she's like drinking and it's... she was she was so such a freak because she was so calm and collected but saying the most insane things that's what you gotta love i love people who are oblivious to the drama they're causing, <laughs> <laughs> and they're completely unfazed by it but everyone if i create a stir i'm like i'm so sorry but everyone around her was like melting down and no. she's just like she's like I'm enjoying my apple teeny in Malibu. <laughs> no one's going to tell me any different. I'm just okay. going to keep saying. We- oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, cat there's, attack. There's cats. Okay. okay. Well, that's all we got. Well, we got to stop to watch that clip. Okay. Now. Okay, bye. bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.